As we head for the scripture this morning, I want to remind you that over the last two weeks, one of the things that I talked about was the staff. Remember when we did the 23rd Psalm, I talked about what the purpose of the shepherd's staff was. Today, this morning, you're going to hear it taken a different direction and the purpose of a staff. And it's profound what Joe has found in all this. I'm reading out of the book of Exodus, and this is kind of at the beginning stages of Moses' relationship with God. Then Moses answered, But suppose they do not believe me or listen to, to me, but say, The Lord did not appear to you. But the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A shepherd's staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw the staff on the ground, and it became a snake. And Moses drew back from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and seize it by the tail. So he reached out his hand and grasped it. And it became a staff in his hand so that they might believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. But he said, O Lord, Please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, What of your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he can speak fluently. Even now he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, his heart will be glad. You shall speak to him and put the words of his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you what you shall do. He indeed shall speak for you to the people. He shall serve as a mouth for you, and you shall serve as God for him. Take in your hand this staff, with which you shall perform the signs. Well, Moses went back to his father-in-law Jethro and said to him, Please let me go back to my kindred in Egypt and see whether they are still living. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all those who are seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons, put them on a donkey, and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses carried the staff of God in his hand. Holy wisdom, holy word. So I want to thank Joe one more time as he prepares for the message. He is like less than a week away from new baby, so I am the keeper of the phone. And I'll head back toward the back as he preaches just in case. Pleasure. Friends, it is always good when sisters and brothers are gathered in God's holy and powerful name. For when two or more are gathered, God is present. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. (laughs) Friends, as we worship together today, I must confess it's a little bittersweet. Though my time here at Aldersgate comes to a close, we give God thanks for God's faithfulness and for the abundant blessings that pour down upon this community. And we look forward to the ways that God will continue to work in and through this church, that we might be a light unto the world When Pastor Brad asked me to preach this morning, I immediately thought of a United Methodist bishop 
who was uh, a bishop long time ago in the Midwest, he thought he would take a break one Sunday. And so he came in the back of one local church and tried to slip in at the very uh, end. And of course, the pastor, he saw him. He ran down the, the middle aisle and said, Bishop, you got to preach this morning. Well, the bishop, he didn't want to be embarrassed, and so he agreed. Sure, why not? Came his way to the front, and he started thinking, what message have I not given this congregation that I could give today? Well, the time of the sermon came, and the bishop walked to the pulpit, opened the book of Philemon, and started reading chapter 1, verse 1. And he read all 25 verses, closed his Bible, and looked out to the expectant congregation. And he said, can't say it much better than Paul. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he sat back down. Church, I know that there is a word for each one of us right now in this space and in this moment in time. And even though I thought legitimately for two and a half seconds that I would do the same thing the bishop did, I know, I know that there is a word for us this morning. I ask that you would open up your hearts and your minds and that the Spirit would encounter you this morning. Would you pray with me? Creator God, we give you thanks for the joy and the opportunity to worship you this morning. We thank you for the gift of the season of music and of song of friends old and new and of the community of saints you have brought here. So be with us now. Grant us your wisdom, your patience, your love, and most of all, grant us your spirit that we would be guided by you and you alone. And so be present, O God. Move in this place that we too would be moved and changed. We are in your presence. Speak to us, we pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. In Christ's holy and powerful name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Jason. That was great. For about one week during the summer before I started college, I wanted to be a doctor, specifically a pediatrician. I was heading to orientation for three days, and the pre-homework assignment was to think about what we wanted to major in. In essence, we were asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? I had no idea. All I knew was I was too short to play basketball, too small to play football, too slow to play soccer, and too uncoordinated to do anything else. Professional sports were out of the picture, and I figured if I couldn't be like Michael Jordan, pediatrician would be a good backup plan. I like kids. I like helping people. And so I get on campus for orientation, and after initial introductions, after dorm assignments, they put all of us incoming freshmen into this large lecture hall. And we take hours upon hours of placement entrance exams. So English, Spanish, math, chemistry. Out of the 100 chemistry questions, I got two right. Yeah. My advisor, he called me into his office and told me to, quote, rethink my career goals. End quote. And so that night, I decided that I no longer wanted to be a doctor. And during the next four years, I was strongly recommended or encouraged to also give up computer programmer, lawyer, politician, engineer, and architect. 
Here's the thing. In order to be used by God, we must clearly know God's purpose for us. In order to be used by God, we must clearly know God's purpose for us. When I was in college, I had no idea how God wanted to use me. I didn't have the discipline or even the desire to have that deep relationship with God. But Moses did. Moses, go to the elders in Egypt. Tell them that I have appeared to you. Tell them that I have heard their cry, that I have not abandoned them. Tell them that I have remembered my covenant promise with my people. Tell them, Moses. Friends, God has a clear purpose for each and every one of us, whether we are female or male, whether we are two or 102, whether you were born in this church or today is your very first day. God has a clear purpose for each of us here, and God has a purpose for this church. Yes, that's your cue. (laughs) Find that purpose. Discover the purpose. Know the purpose. In order to be used by God, we must clearly know God's purpose for us. I have no doubt that God desires to use each of us for the kingdom. God desires to use you and me. God desires to use your family, your team, your class, your committee, your Sunday school. God desires to use this church, and God desires to use this community. The question is then, do we even want to be used by God? I'm not always sure that the answer is yes. You see, like Moses, there's fear, there's anxiety, there's this feeling of not being good enough. It's not easy to transform the world. It takes work, hard work at that. It takes time and energy. Surely God could not use a person like me with my flaws, with my inefficiencies, with my hesitancy, my pride. Surely God could not use me. And yet it is in that moment, it is despite that moment, it is because of that very moment, God reassures us, God desires to use us, and therefore God will not send us empty-handed. You see, our text reveals this interesting dialogue that happens between Moses and God. God tells him to go to the Israelite leaders, and he says, nope, Not going to happen. God says, trust me and go. And again, Moses says, no, I'm not going to do this. Back and forth five times in the first few chapters of Exodus, Moses refuses God. I can't do it. I don't speak well. I'm not the right one. I'm not the one that you were looking for. I'm not the one that can do this. Imagine the fear going through his mind. The anxiety in his veins. Imagine the feeling of not being good enough. But God was and still is good. The amazing thing about the God who appeared to Moses and the same God who still speaks to each one of us today is that God does not send us empty-handed. You see, Moses, for the 40 years upon fleeing Egypt, he finds himself in the fields of Midian shepherding his father-in-law's flock. And it is at the culmination of those 40 years that God appears to him in the form of the burning bush 
and gives him the life mandate. Forty years. And so, of course, when God comes to him and says, Moses, what is that in your hand? There's no other answer but to say, the shepherd's staff. In other words, God was preparing Moses for that moment. For 40 years, Moses was a shepherd. Moses used that which was in his hand to take care of his flock of sheep. He protected them from wolves. He fed them. He cleaned up their mess. And later in Exodus, we find that Moses does the same exact thing for God's people. He protects them from Pharaoh. He feeds them manna from heaven. He cleans up after all of their messes. You see, God gave Moses the staff to protect Jethro's sheep. And God uses that very same staff for Moses to protect God's people. See, God didn't say to Moses, hey, Moses, you're a shepherd. And your tool is a staff, but what I want you to do is pick up a sword and fight your way out of Egypt. He also didn't say, Moses, you're a shepherd. Your tool is a staff, but hey, pick up a pen and paper and write letters out of Egypt. Instead, God used exactly what Moses had been using for 40 years. So friends, I want to ask, what is that in your hand? What is God preparing for you? Maybe you're a painter. How will God use that for God's glory? Maybe it's your voice. Maybe it's your math skills. Maybe you're an athlete or a librarian. Maybe you're a great listener. Maybe you're a fantastic cook. What is that in your hand? God desires to use you, and therefore, God will not send you empty-handed. Then let me read two verses from today's passage. Verse 2, Then the Lord asked him, What is that in your hand? And Moses replied, A shepherd's staff. And then verse 20, So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and headed back to the land of Egypt. And in his hand he carried the staff of God. Do you notice the difference between verse 2 and verse 20? It's small, but it's significant. In verse 2, Moses is carrying a shepherd's staff, a staff. In verse 20, it is now the staff of God. Something happens between verse 2 and verse 20 that transforms this staff from a shepherd's staff into the staff of God. The thing that scripture tells us is that Moses let go. If Moses had held on tightly to the staff, if he had never let go, he would have never seen the power and might of God. He would have missed the moment when God proves to him that God is the great I am. You see, if Moses never let go, the staff would have never turned into a snake, but would have simply remained a piece of wood. Don't get me wrong, a piece of wood is fine for a shepherd. The staff of God transforms the world. Letting go is not easy. But but in the end, we let go because we serve a faithful God, a God who is worth putting our trust in. See, we let go because the God who delivered the Israelites from Egypt is still at work today, delivering us from our bondage. We let go to see the mighty power of God who transformed a stick into a snake and the bread and cup into signs of love. We let go because we choose the hope that only God can offer hope of redemption 
of transformation, hope of new life. We let go because God is calling and there is work to be done. Friends, what is that in your hand? For what has God been preparing you for 40 years, for four years, for four months since yesterday? What is that in your hand? Ever since I was little, I was really good at making friends. Partially out of necessity, since my family moved around a lot. Um, and also because of my personality. I later found out, thanks to Miss Myers and Miss Briggs, <laughs> that not only was I incredibly judgmental, I was also a 97% extrovert. And this confirms my need to be around people. See, this became my thing. What I lacked in knowledge and skills and experience and credibility, I made up in making friends, building relationships, interviewing well. How do you think I got this job? <laughs> it wasn't about what I knew. It was about who I knew. So working for the United Methodist General Board of Church and Society in New York became that opportunity to hone my craft, though I didn't know it then. See, I had the privilege to help represent our denomination at the United Nations on issues of global poverty, on education, and I found myself traveling all over the world, giving talks and leading workshops, Thailand, Russia, Switzerland, Kazakhstan, Austria. My work became about building relationships. I later became the director of children's rights advocacy in Washington, D.C., and I fought the horrors of human trafficking. And there, too, I continued to be prepared for God to use me. I built coalitions to pass legislation. I organized conferences. I had cell phone numbers of congressional staffers. After a few meetings together, the Secretary General of the United Nations eventually knew me by name, mostly because I had a beard. Listen, this, <laughs> let me scratch that one. Don't use that one again. Um, this was the perfect job for me, and believe me when I say I was good at my job. The experiences that I had as a child, I thought, had prepared me for that moment, for that career, for that life. I was happy there, incredibly happy there, and I looked forward to the life of a D.C. bureaucrat. That's not even the joke, guys. Come on. <laughs> but God encountered me in my own burning bush. And God said, I am not done with you yet. You thought you had reached the summit, but look over there. There's another peak that I will take you, that I am calling you. There is a place that I will lead you. So let go of all that you have held on to and go into the places where my people are hurting build relationships in the church, build community in the places where people live and eat, leave the comforts of your own office and do what you have been prepared to do. I left in confidence and with the confidence that God desired to use me. And I know, and I know, and I know that God desires to use each and every one of you and I know 
that God desires to use this church. Amen. And so, friends, I ask you one last time. Friends, what is that in your hand? Be encouraged and have faith, knowing that God's redeeming power, the same power that transformed the staff, will, through you and through this church, transform one another, transform this community, and dare I say it, transform the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Go ahead, Lord.